start with who you want to be known as, just like you would do if you were looking at it from, you know, a leadership standpoint or a reputation standpoint. What do you want people to say about you? Where do you want to end? What does your legacy want to be? And then start working backwards on maybe what you need to learn. Maybe there's some skills development. Maybe you need to do some online classes. Maybe you need to watch some training videos to elevate some of those facets of your brand. Maybe you actually have the skill set already, but you haven't sold it because you didn't give yourself permission. Maybe you were talking yourself out of it because it was a little imposter syndrome. So I think it's really looking at what you want that new brand to be and creating it and then finding a way to fill in those gaps. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, uh, I've got Dr. Cindy McGovern with us uh, for the second time on the show. Excited to have you back, Cindy. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Steve. Absolutely. And, and today, we're going to talk about her um, her new book, which is really exciting, called Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. It's her second book. First book was a fantastic one. So the world has been on pins and needles waiting for this, Cindy. Just pins and needles. <laughs> You're very kind. <laughs> by, by way of introduction, uh, Cindy's the founder of Orange Leaf Consulting. And what, what, what they do over there is they help organizations, entrepreneurs, and individuals to create dynamic and robust sales processes. Um, in, in this book, she's going to talk about, and what we're going to talk about today is what's in the book. Uh, she's going to talk about, she teaches people in the book how to create an impressive and authentic personal brand that they can live day in and day out. And uh, so let's dive into it. Um, what, what is a personal brand, Cindy? And, and why is it important to create your personal brand with purpose? So a personal brand is really kind of what you're known as to the rest of the world, who they think you are, what they say about you when you're not in the room. And it's really important to craft that, especially as a salesperson, because that is your network. This is the narrative that your network is telling about you. This is how they're explaining why you're the guy or gal that they trust. And so if we're not creating this powerful personal brand, it actually makes it harder for people to help us. And we want to make it so, you know, network is about working. <laughs> so we want to make it easy for them to tell a powerful story. And so you need a powerful brand for them to do that. And what's the connection between personal branding and sales? Like what's the, how are, how are those two related other than having a good personal brand helps you sell? So I actually think you sell the brand before you sell anything. And that's actually why I called the book Sell Yourself, because we all know this as salespeople, no sale happens without trust. So there has to be a trust that, that occurs. There's a huge difference between rapport and trust. There's one of two things that happen in a sale. I trust you and or I trust your product or service. But I have to trust you first to even listen to what you have to say about your product or service. And I think sometimes people forget that, that you're actually selling who you are and that you're trustworthy to be an advocate for this brand of product or service. And so that connection is very much intertwined. You cannot untwine them. 
And a lot of salespeople, I do believe, don't recognize the power of their own brand. Very successful ones do, totally, because they're living it. They're truly authentic about it. But it's recognizing the power of your social capital based on your brand. And tell me about the difference between trust and rapport. How do you, how do you see those two as being uh, juxtaposed? So salespeople will understand this. We get stuck in the friend zone, right? So you know the client that's like, sure, we'll talk. Oh, let's go to lunch. Let's go play golf. Oh, come by the office. Oh, sure. You know, bring me whatever it is. You are completely stuck in the friend zone. You guys are not dating. You are not moving towards matrimony of a partnership. This is not going to happen. And part of it is because you haven't created enough trust, truthfully, because if I trust you, then either I'm going to trust you enough to be like, nope, never going to happen. It's a no, never. Don't waste your time. Or I'm going to at least give you a try. And if you've got that prospective client that's in that friend zone, I would ask yourself, have you actually created enough trust with them? Rapport is, I will go have a cocktail with you. I will go to lunch with you. I will sit up for four hours on a golf course with you. But I may not trust you with my business challenges so you can sell me whatever it is you have. I may not be vulnerable enough with you to tell you what I actually need. Or I don't trust that you have my best interest at heart. I think you just want to sell me something. There's a huge difference between the two. And they're, they're often confused. And how can you make someone trust that you have their best interest in heart? Is, is your is your personal brand a part of that? Like, how do you how do you move from that rapport zone where you're in the friend zone to the to the trust zone where they uh, where there, where there's more going on? Yeah, I think your personal brand is a huge part of that because again, you do sell yourself first. So it's the way that you let them know that you do have their best interest at heart. Something that we teach in our sales process to salespeople is if you know that your prospect is sitting there thinking, okay, Steve, you're going to sell to me. And then you're literally going to go across the street and sell to my competitor. How do I trust that you're not going to go tell them all the stuff that I'm doing that's not great? How do I trust that you're not going to go tell them all my trade secrets? Call out the elephant in the room. And so one of the things that we teach in our sales process is joint confidentiality. Okay, Steve, you and me are going to get real personal real fast. I'm going to ask a lot about your organization. I'm going to ask a lot about your business. You need to know it stays between us. You and I both know I work with a competition. But as far as I'm concerned, there is no competition. It's you and me in this room. That's it. And it just changes the course of the conversation and allows you to go, okay, this person kind of gets me. They understood where my head was at. And that starts to cross that trust bridge. And... What are the critical components of having a successful personal brand? What, what makes up it? What are the pillars? So I believe there are three very important pillars and there's one that's often forgotten. So the first pillar of having a successful and powerful brand is to create it. It should actually be crafted and it should be intentional and it should be authentic and based in your own core values. So it's really who you truly are but it's the best version of yourself. The second pillar is you've got to be it. You've got to live it every single day, day in and day out, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are. And I have a lot of stories in the book about people, you know, celebrities that we know that we'll never see them not being that celebrity, Dolly Parton. You're never going to not see her as Dolly Parton. You've never caught a glimpse of her in rumpled jeans and a t-shirt with no makeup. Like she is who she is. 
So as a salesperson, are you that same person? Are you consistently living the brand that you say you are? Because that also creates trust. But then the third part that is so often forgotten and left out is you have to sell the brand. You have to be proactive about making sure that you are feeding your network the narrative that you want to be said. You make sure you're controlling the narrative that your customers are saying about you, that you are embracing all of what I call your superpowers and elevating those every chance you get to reinforce the brand. And that's also why I call the book Sell Yourself, because people forget the operative word is sell. <laughs> and, and how do you do that? How do you control the narrative? How do you reinforce the brand? So the first thing is you have to know what the narrative is. And this is the scary part. <laughs> you have to ask for feedback. You have to be very clear about your own blind spots. And so one of the easiest descriptions is when, when uh, people go into an office and you dress the part, you know, you, you have the, the professional attire, you've got your briefcase or your suitcase or whatever it is, you, you're ready. But your face is somewhere else. You have the resting witch face or your face is just showing that you're not into it. You're selling them on the fact that you're not actually into it. The whole package isn't there. If you have a blind spot about the fact that that's how you hold your face, you're not recognizing that you're not actually living this authentically. So part of what we have to do is take an honest inventory of how we're actually showing up. And I believe soliciting feedback is one of the best ways that you can do this and solicit it from a little different groups, you know, solicit from customers, potential customers. We get feedback when we fail on a sale, right? We're like, okay, great. Off the table, tell me exactly what it is that wasn't a fit for you. I want to learn from this, you know, when someone does buy your product or service, great. What could we have done differently in the process? We do this all day long when we're selling. We don't do it about ourselves. So I think we start there and that actually helps us to tweak the areas of our brand that maybe are not telling the story we want it to be telling. And who do you recommend getting this honest inventory with? Who do you ask for for feedback to get to know your blind spots? Coaches, boss, spouse, friends, who, who, who are the best people? All of the above, but I think you go sort of one ring out of the center of your bullseye because the center ring is going to know you, but they also may have a little bit of difficulty being totally and completely honest with you. They don't want to hurt your feelings. They love you. They want to support you. And that's wonderful. But you need to hear the truth. So it's almost like when you have a problem, you're not going to tell your best friend. You're going to tell like your second best friend. <laughs> so, so go find your second best friends here. Find some of those prospects. Find some people that you know within your industry that know you professionally, but maybe don't work directly with you. Because those are the ones that are hearing the story about you that are two or three rings removed, that's the message that's about you out in the market. Those are the ones you need to know. That inner circle, you kind of do control that narrative and you can control it on a fairly regular basis. It's when your network starts to get a little further out where you kind of lose control of that narrative if you're not careful. So those are the ones I want to solicit feedback from first. That makes a ton of sense. Um... Colleague, work colleagues are great for this sort of thing too, especially if your company has like a 360 process that can be the excuse to start these conversations. 100%. And I think that there's 
I have to say this in the feedback round because when you're asking for feedback, part of what you you want to make sure is that you're asking them to be blatantly honest with them. So when you solicit this, the way that you ask for it matters and say, look, I am looking to improve and I want your honest feedback. Do not be afraid to hurt my feelings. I want to know what the God's honest truth is from where you're sitting, from where you sit. And so I often will talk with even my clients about there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Nice is I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Kind is you have spinach in your teeth. You should probably get it out. You know, I want to <laughs> I want to be kind. And so you may even need to tell the person that you're soliciting feedback from, hey, I understand you want to be nice to me. I'm not looking for nice. I'm looking for kindness, which is telling me the truth. And so when you set it on that platform for the conversation, it gives them a little extra permission to dig a little deeper and maybe say, yeah, you know, you can kind of be a little snippy sometimes. That's part of your brand that's out there. You want to know about it. Absolutely. And when you learn something about your brand um, that you would like to improve on, what are some strategies that you could take to to uh to to take that like i i don't want to say a total rebrand but more of like a tweak yeah i call those micro rebranding like i think we're constantly micro rebranding even given the situations right like maybe in this situation my imposter syndrome flares so i've got a micro rebrand a piece of me but truly if we get that feedback and let's just say there's a blind spot over there that i was completely unaware of I need to, first of all, take that in and look at where the sources were, what the triggers were that caused that part of my brand to be the, the narrative. You know, maybe is it that I wasn't clear enough on what I do, or maybe they, you know, we've all had those people that end up going with a competitor and then we're like, why'd you go with them? We do that. And like, I didn't know that. That's a blind spot about your product or your service. Same thing about your personal brand. So it's looking at sort of where that came from and why maybe is there missing information? Do I need to change that narrative? And then the next piece is, how are you selling it? Because you are you are selling that part of your brand. So did you get a little lax and you were snippy in your emails because you were tired? You know, guilty. We all go through that. Was it that you were not as proactive because you had other things going on and you didn't make that person or that business a priority? and you sold that you didn't care as much. So look at the circumstances. So you look at the source, you look at the circumstance, and then you look at how to change the story. Great advice. And what would you say, what would be your advice to someone? And what are the most effective sales strategies to help people sell themselves in, in challenging situations or any situation? So the good news is, your audience already knows this because they're all salespeople. So salespeople get this. We all have a sales process that we follow. And I teach a five-step process in my first book. I actually resurrected in this one in a slightly different way. But I believe we start with a good plan. You look for the opportunity to highlight whatever facets you need to highlight, features, and features advantages, and benefits in sales, right? Then we have to establish the trust. Then we ask for what we want. And then we continue to follow up. So if we follow a similar sales process in this realm, it's very empowering because it also helps you during your feedback loop 
to go, wait a minute, did I skip the trust part? Did I not follow up? Was it the wrong opportunity? So just like you do in selling your products and services, you can tear apart where maybe you fell a little bit short. And and what about when you need to do a, a, a rebrand or maybe you're when you're changing a job or switching careers, how do you rebrand yourself either because you have to or because you you want to or it's a good time to you were a you know you you you, you were a VP of sales and now you're becoming a CRO or you were in marketing now you're going into sales how, how do you how do you change your core brand? And how do you even know when you should, um, what, what are some of the triggers and when, when should you rebrand yourself? So I would actually say all of those are times to rebrand, but I would also invite every listener to recognize that now is the time to rebrand. Um, and when we're recording this podcast, obviously we're, we're coming out of two years of strangeness and all sorts of changes, but the world has changed around us. Markets have changed. And even though you may be in the same role, in the same company, the people you're selling to have gone through some changes. You know, we're looking at a different economic cycle because obviously we all sell. So there's ups, there's downs, there's different seasons. So I think that it's really a good practice of good brand upkeep to keep looking for that feedback and finding out, is this still fitting? Is this still right? Am I still tracking where I want to go. But if you're doing a full rebrand, let's say you're doing an absolute like changing from that marketing to sales or sales manager to CRO, start with who you want to be known as. Just like you would do if you were looking at it from, you know, a leadership standpoint or a reputation standpoint. What do you want people to say about you? Where do you want to end? What does your legacy want to be? And then start working backwards on maybe what you need to learn. Maybe there's some skills development. Maybe you need to do some online classes. Maybe you need to watch some training videos to elevate some of those facets of your brand. Maybe you actually have the skill set already, but you haven't sold it because you didn't give yourself permission. Maybe you were talking yourself out of it because it was a little imposter syndrome. So I think it's really looking at what you want that new brand to be and creating it and then finding a way to fill in those gaps. So important to give yourself permission to, to, to do your rebrand to, you know, I think that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thought. Um, what, how, tactically, how do you rebrand? Like, what are the things that you actually would go out? Like if, if I asked, if I told you, Hey, I, I just sold Badger Maps and uh, I didn't, by the way, but, but <laughs> hey, I just sold Badger Maps and um, you're not, I, I'm, I'm not going to run another software company or start another software company, but I, I'm planning on investing in software companies now going forward. I want to be an angel investor and I want to invest in a hundred small software companies in the next four years. How, how would you, how would you coach me to rebrand myself? So the first thing is you got really clear on what you wanted to be known as. So you want to be an angel investor for small tech. That's perfect. So you have a good plan in place. Believe it or not, the next thing you do is you start selling that brand. So you need to start getting the word out that this is the new you. This is the new Steve. This is what you're going to be doing. And that's a little bit counterintuitive, especially for salespeople, because we think, oh, we need to start doing it first. We need to start like getting in there. You're going to be doing this already. 
But the problem is you're not going to find the opportunities unless people know that's what you want. So you got to start selling them on the fact that you're going to be a good angel investor, that you're going to be a good advocate for those small businesses, that you have successfully built this business and now you can successfully help build these businesses. You've got to start selling it in a different way. It's almost like the people who say, I have really you know, small accounts and, and they keep getting me small accounts. That's because you branded yourself as a small account person. You start, you've got to brand yourself and start selling these bigger ones. You start selling the story around the fact that you can do this. And I think it's a, a little bit of a, a permission piece again, because we think we have to establish our own credibility in our own mind to be able to ask for people to help us or to be able to ask for the opportunity. But in fact, we need to sell them on the credibility and the transferable skill set. And so you take the same brand you had, the facets of that brand that fit in this new role, let's call it that because it really is, and start convincing people around you that this is the new you. And you're going to have to sell against the ghost of your old brand. Be aware of that. You're going to have to sell against that. You're going to have people who are like, but Steve, you're so good at software. Why don't you start another company? You better have an answer. That makes a ton of sense. And how, what are the what are the megaphones or microphones that you would use to start selling your that new brand and and get the word out and sell the story? Is this LinkedIn posts? Is this having meetings with the right people? Is this how do you, how what do you what do you, what are your steps to 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 do that? Yes, yes, and yes, <laughs> and <laughs> it's making sure that people know the new story that needs to be told. So like when I was sort of rebranding from consultant coach and doing more books and speaking, I had to start letting people know I do that. And I had to start letting people know that I wanted more of that. And the misconception was, oh, but you're so busy. You run this consulting company. You guys are successful. You do these things. That's absolutely true. But I have a team. And so I want to be able to do speaking. I want to be able to write books. I want to be able to, to help people in another capacity. but you've got to invite that discussion. And I think that's where your LinkedIn comes in. That's where any of your posts, that's where you commenting on posts and highlighting the facets of that. So where are you hanging out? Who are you networking with? Are you meeting and rubbing elbows with the right people? You're not going to become an angel investor, not hanging with other angel investors who know opportunity. So you kind of switch ponds, if you will, and you're swimming with different fish. You want to make sure those fish understand what makes you similar to them so that they can advocate for you and help you. Makes sense. And, and, and you talked about selling against the ghost of, of that old brand. What are the potential challenges and problems of, of selling against that old brand? How, and, and how do you, how do you get around that? So the first thing is knowing why, why is that brand still alive? And it could be for one of two reasons. It's a lot because you were unbelievably successful at selling it before or they are resistant to change. Sort of like when you go back and you see your parents and they still want to treat you like you're a teenager and you're like, I am a grown up with children of my own. You know, like it's, you fall into the role that you know, you fall into the comfort role. So part of it may be having a bolder conversation of like, don't need you to do my laundry. Don't need you to tie my shoes for me. I am, you know, a middle-aged person. <laughs> so you might need to do that. But when it's the people around you in your network, 
it it is one of those two things. Either they can't fathom why in the world you would want to do something else. So you have to sell them on your passion first, your passion for this new thing, or they can't, they just can't grasp it because they don't want to let go. So then you have to sell them on, they're still going to be okay. Somebody else is going to take care of them. Because that's usually what happens is, but if you're gone, then who takes care of me? Make sure you're selling them on whatever that transition is. That, that's, that's a key point. Get, set them up with the, with the new solution. It's, it's funny. Yeah. You mentioned parents. My, I, I think my brand with my parents will always be manual labor. Cause I was, I was good <laughs> at that when I was like 16, I, I go home for like, you know, Thanksgiving or something. And my mom's like, Oh, I've been saving a pile of rocks for you. <laughs> I would like you to move the rocks from over there to over there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you were so good at it, but this is actually something that I see with people that I coach as well. Like the salespeople and even the sales managers is they're like, you're such a hard worker. Well, if you're a hard worker, what do you attract? More hard work. <laughs> Yourself as a leader and a mentor and a coach and an advocate, you attract that. But with your mom, it's a little different though, Steve. You might not have to have that conversation. <laughs> I may just, I think I'm going to have to move the rocks until I have a son that's old enough to move yeah. the rocks. I, I'm like, why didn't you, how long have you wanted these rocks moved? Why didn't you just hire someone to move the rocks? Like you can't hire anyone around here. I'm like, I think you can hire someone to move the rocks. <laughs> Did you just want me to move your rocks? Yes. Yes. I want, I, I have put you in the role of rock mover. Very good at it. And it makes me feel safe to brand you as that. That's, that's part of it. She, she likes that feeling. I don't even know how she gets some of them out of the ground. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> I can barely pick them up. I'm like, how did you get the rocks into the pile? How did it leverage? Because I, I had to have a pile for you when you came home. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what about uh, if the brand you've crafted isn't working the way you thought it would? Um, other than just a rebrand, what are, what what are some other strategies that you can that you can that you can uh, use in that situation? Like you you mentioned, you know, I have a, if if someone has a hard work uh, brand and they keep attracting the really hard work that they don't want, like what what about things like that? How can you how can you shift it when when you you've taken a misstep with your brand? When you've taken a misstep with your brand, part of it is recognizing it and owning it, first of all, because you were selling something, either you were selling the wrong thing or you were selling it the wrong way. One of two things have happened. So let's say that you were selling the wrong thing. You got to go back to your plan, revamp that and figure out why, you know, what was it about that plan that didn't work out? It's sort of like the person who says, I'm going to be, you know, the top salesperson this year. And they fall short of it, but they've tried to brand themselves as like, I am the king or queen. I am the one that's going to do this. And then they don't make president circles. Well, then they're crushed, right? Doesn't mean you can't sell yourself as that person who is constantly reaching for something more. You can rebrand. It's a micro rebrand in that moment. But the flip side of that is if it's been this the wrong thing you were selling in terms of who you are and those facets of your brand you weren't recognizing how it was landing with your audience. And I think that's the biggest misstep that we make is we have this great plan. We think it's going to work out and it's just not landing. It's like a joke that lays flat. 
Did you know your audience? Did you know what their expectation was? Was there trust there already? Or did you just give everybody around you whiplash because you tried to change your brand and didn't give them a heads up? So it's looking at some of those things when you take a branding misstep and then you rewind it, go back to the plan, start selling it the right way, selling the right thing. And sometimes that includes having a very pointed conversation with some of the people that have the old narrative. That, that, that makes sense to me. And in the book, um, you, you talk about how someone's personal life or their side hustle ambitions can, can affect their professional brand. What specific uh, suggestion, suggestions do you have for people in these situations? That's, I feel like that's more and more common in the last couple of years. I don't disagree with you. I think we're sort of in this phase of, of work world where we're creating sort of a portfolio career where maybe it's not just our day job, but maybe we have a couple other things. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that so long as there is some level of cohesion. We are pack animals at the end of the day. We like to file you somewhere in our mind, right? So I want to file you as the tech guy. You want to file me as the sales gal. Like we, we want to we put people in a little box in our heads. And when those brands of your side hustle or your after hours thing don't gel, I can't figure out where to put you. And that creates confusion and confusion does not allow trust to grow. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. You don't, you don't trust that, which does not make sense. That makes sense. Right. And, and where we get stuck is we think, but it's me, I'm doing both of these things. You know, I'm running a gym and I'm an attorney and it's like, okay, that's great. But which one are you? Because if I totally put all my eggs in the basket of you being my attorney and then you up and leave me one day, what happens? So it goes back to making your, your customer feel safe. And it's that trust piece. And uh, yeah, that, that makes sense because when I, when my, my whole side hustle of being a runway model really gets in the way of my tech guy business. It confuses people. They're like, are you a runway model or are you a tech guy? It's confusing. I, I understand. <laughs> if you're walking down with like technology in hand, maybe that would, you know, bring the brands together. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Good, good. I, okay. That, yeah. Synthesis. Um, so the, the next, uh, ne next section is sales in 60 seconds. So quick questions, quick answers. Um, First question, what's the best course of action if you go off-brand? Own it. If you need to apologize, apologize for it, and then immediately start selling what you need to be selling. And how does your personal brand shape your legacy? You are shaping your legacy already because your brand is actually what they're going to talk about. So it's very important that your brand be the legacy at the end of the day. And what are the benefits and uh, what are the pros and cons, I guess, of aligning your brand to your employer's brand? First of all, it creates more trust and credibility if there is the you believe in the product or service you're selling. So that's pretty powerful stuff. Another pro is that it's great for the employer, you know, great for the bottom line that you have honest advocates out in the marketplace. The con, if you don't align, is how long can you keep this up? How long will you be fulfilled if you do not believe in what you're selling or you don't believe in, in this? You're not going to be able to hold that up. As much as you think you can fake it, people can sniff it out on you. People are very good at reading between the lines. So pros and cons, make sure you align the 
whatever it is you're selling, at least finding those common ground pieces. Well, what's a good example of someone's personal brand and, or I guess, a co- what's a common example that you see of someone's personal brand not aligning with their employer's brand? Usually it's the company's behaviors versus just the product. So let's say that you you are a big, you know, environmental advocate, yet you're selling something that has a horrific carbon footprint. It's going to be really hard to rectify those two things. And it's, and you can maybe keep it up for a little while, but it's, you know, it's going to just chew at you little bit by little bit. This is a great time to let people know that you save 20% of your, what you were spending on gas with when you, when you implement Badger. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually said in my business school application that I was going to start a company that, uh, that, that helps the environment. And here, here I am, you know, 20 years later. That's amazing though, but, but it's absolutely true. That's something you can stand by. That's a claim that you can stand by. It's part of your brand. I love that. That's uh, fun. That, that was a good one. My, uh, my little sister works for the Sierra clubs as a, as an attorney. So she's, she, she does more for the, for the environment than I do, but you know, Hey, 20% times, uh, the 5,000 companies or so that use Badger maps. It's, it's actually a lot of gas. It's a lot of gas and it's we, a lot of dough for those companies. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, we tried to calculate, we we're thinking about putting like a little ticker on our website, but it seemed too annoying, but you know, a little like, Oh, this is how many gallons of gas we saved. Uh, I don't know. We, we're, we're, we're trying to, trying to figure out how to, how to align that part of our brand. Cause right now we don't really talk about it much, but uh, yeah. So uh, how can companies get their employees to buy into the company brand and, and, and be aligned? So it starts, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it actually starts with the leadership. Is the leadership selling themselves before they're selling the company brand? Because if I don't trust my leadership, I'm never gonna trust the company brand. And this is a misconception that companies have a lot of times when we go in to consult to them, they're like, oh, we're number one in market share. We had number one sales last year. We beat all the competition. Great, do your people actually believe your leadership? Because if they don't, you're not gonna continue to grow. You've gotta have those leaders that are able to sell themselves because they're selling, getting buy-in on the brand. They're selling, getting buy-in on the company direction, the company strategy. And if they can't be the mouthpiece for that message, never going to happen. Hiring is so important there too. If, you know, if, if you're, as a, as a company, I think you, you really got to make sure. And, and as a young company, I think it was really important that like, I, I always interviewed everybody. Like I, I made, I wanted to make sure they were well aligned with the, with, with the team. A lot of people that we hired had been interns with us. If they were you know, junior hires, they, they were interns first. And so we knew they were well aligned. It's really, I think that's really important. More, more important than people give it credit for to, uh, to make sure that the employees and, and everything's aligned or else your company, you know, one, one executive hire that's off brand and they bring in a bunch of people that are off brand, it can shift the whole brand of the company over time. I have this conversation with our clients all the time, Steve, where they have one person that's like a prickly person, as I call them, and they make excuses for them or they create processes around them. And it's like, that's literally killing your leadership legacy because you're neglecting to address that. So that now become part of your leadership brand is I am a conflict avoider and I will let people slide because I'm afraid of them. That's I I bet that happens more often than not. Really, it's a it's a hard thing to do, but sometimes you got to make the hard calls, right? 
questions about those or uh, how, how important is your job title and what you do for a living to your personal brand? Like, I don't know, what percentage is it or what, how much weight goes, goes on that? So I'm not a job person. Obviously I'm known as a first lady of sales, but I, I, you know, CEO or whatever, like you could throw some, some titles out there. It's really how you'd identify with. So I think what we have to recognize is, are you your job title? Is that part of the brand that you want to be known as? Do you want to be known as that person? And if you do, then that's a facet of the, your brand that you will advocate for, you will promote, you will do you know, a lot of controlling the narrative around. But it may or may not be that important, given what you want your final impact and legacy to be. Maybe that's just part of who you are. I've had many jobs, you know, that weren't sales. I was a college professor. I've, you know, done a lot of different things, but it's always been around helping people. It's always been around teaching people. It's always been around advocating. So it's looking at what that final, final chapter is going to be and making sure that the title matters. And if it does, absolutely be the advocate for that and own it and promote it and all of those things. But this is also where people struggle when their title changes when their job changes and their title is different or they get a little bit nervous about it because they identify so directly with it. And so just being careful of that, like how much are you investing in that as part of your own identity? As a uh, as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople that are listening today do to get started on building a powerful personal brand? The first thing I think you do is you look at the brand you want to be known as. You could literally do an inventory of your own core values. What are the words you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? But it's not just kind or helpful or always picks up the phone. Take it one step further around how the impact lands with those people. Your kindness makes it so you talk me off the ledge because I'm one of your crazy customers and that makes me feel better. And then I trust you. And then that's why I keep sending you my business. <laughs> that becomes part of your, your legacy. Or you answer your phone. So my goal is to always be that person that my clients know I want to save them time, that their time, I'm very respectful of it. So that's why I pick up my phone. So it's one step further than just sort of the, I call them the senior superlatives. You know, we all have those like best dressed or whatever. It's more than that. It's about the thing that is left behind because of those brand words. Start there, and then you start shifting into, okay, this is how I'm gonna live that. Then I need to do more of picking up my phone. I need to do more, I need to do better about answering my emails in a timely manner. I need to do better about follow up and follow through with referrals. You'll start to recognize the areas of your brand you need to live more proactively. Well, I'm going to try to summarize all the the wisdom that you've dropped on us today here, Cindy. Um, first of all, a personal brand is what you're known as in the world. And you should sell your personal brand before you sell anything else. A prospect should trust you first before you sell your product and service, which sounds, which sounds all obvious, but they've got to trust you. They've got to trust that brand. They've got to, tr they've got to, they, they've got to believe in you. There's a difference between trust and rapport. You need to build enough trust to get out of the friend zone so that a prospect will trust you with business decisions. There are three pillars to uh, 
of successful of, of a successful and a powerful brand. Three things that you that you need to have a powerful brand. First, um, you got to craft it, and it should be it sh it should be something that you've created, and it should be authentic to you. You've got to live that brand day in and day out, no matter what you're doing and and where you are. You have to you have to remain true to that brand, and and you have to sell the brand. You have to be proactive about sharing what your brand is all about. Take an honest inventory about how you're actually showing up with prospects and customers and, and ask them for feedback. Uh, ask them for feedback around how you're doing, what your brand is, that you can, you can tune your brand up based on that feedback. It's so important to collect that information. Take time to rebrand after major changes in the world like we've like we're in right here in 2022, or, uh, or, or when you change roles, when you change industries, ask yourself, is, is this still fitting or working? And a good way to think about that is to ask yourself, what do you want? What do I want my legacy to be? And, and you can, you can work back. Well, if you can answer what you want your legacy to be, you can work back from there as to, as to what your brand should be. When you're rebranding, you want to be clear about what changes you you want to make with your branding, and then you start selling that story um, and and showing people how you're going to be successful in this new space. You want to spend time with your new network and with your network when when you when you switch brands to establish yourself in that space with that brand. You want to make sure your side hustle brand aligns with your with your main brand because when there is an alignment it it can lead to confusion and therefore mistrust um, you want to create alignment and that'll make your prospects and customers uh, feel like they can really trust you and that's that's obviously super important uh, Cindy this has been so fantastic where where can people read more about your work uh, where do they reach out to you obviously everyone should should uh, should buy sell yourself how to create live and sell a powerful personal brand your new book they can reach me at drcindy.com orangeleafconsulting.com orangeleafacademy.com and we've actually got some really fun bonus chapters uh that might be very interesting for salespeople at sellyourselfbook.com as well awesome we everybody loves a free giveaway absolutely <laughs> Uh, so check that out, orangeleafacademy.com. Um, and uh, final words, I guess, um, you know, this, this, once again, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk, just like your last one was. I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If anybody out there works in field sales, you'll love the Badger Map. It's the number one route planner uh, that helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. Save 20% more gas too, as, as we mentioned today. So you can get a free trial of it at badgermapping.com today. If anyone listening today can think of any other sales reps who would benefit from, from learning the branding skills that Cindy's talked to us about today, definitely share the love and forward this on to them. Cindy, thanks, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was always a pleasure to talk to you. It's so much fun. Well, thank you very much. It's been great to have you. Uh, take care until next time, everybody.